Forest City Church. Anyone and everyone. I'm glad that the Lord gave me a word today, church. I am so glad about it. And um, last week, right, Chad talked. Who was here last week when Chad talked? Okay, listen, man. I listened to it because we were, we were at Shaman's wedding and we were having a good time, but I listened to it on the way home. And, and, and Chad gave us such a beautiful reminder of what it means to honor those that came before us. He gave us such a beautiful reminder of, of what it means to honor those that we stand on the shoulders of or the people that, that persevered through persecution so that we can have the freedoms and liberty and our faith that we have today. Amen, church? Amen. And he also, he also talked about the first martyr, Stephen. He talked about Stephen and how uh, in his last moments of life, Stephen is literally being stoned. And he looks up to the heavens and the heavens open up. And he sees the, 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 the son of God, Jesus Christ, standing at the right hand of the father. I believe Jesus was standing in that moment. This is my interpretation, okay? He was standing because when he saw Stephen down there getting ready to die, literally being stoned, Stephen looked up to the heaven and said, hey, Father, don't hold this sin against them. Who, who, who else did that? Back on the cross, Jesus basically said those same things. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So I believe that Jesus saw Stephen doing that and it, it made him stand up because he was so proud. And he wanted to receive him and give him a reward because he stood for exactly what Jesus stood for when he was here on earth. Amen, church? Amen. And Chad also challenged us to like, hey, take some, did, did anybody do the homework assignment to, to go and write or call somebody that, that you wanted to honor? Yeah, I, I did it too. I had to do it a little bit differently and I'm going to talk about it in a moment. Um, but he, he challenged us to do it and, and, and I, I did it. I did it. Kind of. Kind of. Um, but that's what I want to talk about today a little bit um, because we learned about our forefathers going through persecution, but by the end of this message today, I hope and pray that we all have a better understanding of what it means to go through persecution and continue to press on towards the mark of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So that's where I want to pick up the story. Let me get some water before my mouth gets dry. I want to pick up the story there. Acts 8 and 1. Can you throw that up there? It says, and Saul approved of their killing him. So this is right after Stephen goes to sleep or dies, in other words. Saul, and Saul approved of their killing him. I was going breathe to right, breeze right past this, but I said, like, let me give a little context because the first time Saul was mentioned was in the last chapter. So if you don't know who Saul is, Saul is, is who we now know as Paul. He is one of the greatest, the greatest apostles ever. He wrote a lot of this book that we call the Bible. Um, but at this point in, in Saul's life, his energy was a little closer to Heath Ledger's Joker than it was any of the apostles, except maybe Judas, because we all know what Judas did. But Saul was a, he was a Pharisee, of, he was a Pharisee, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was one of the most prominent Pharisees in that time. And, and, and Saul, he made it his mission to kill anyone that he, he saw that was connected to the way of Jesus Christ, right? So, so when he saw Stephen, the reason why he approved of killing Stephen is because he said, hey, he kind of reminds me a whole, whole lot of that man that we put on that cross. And, 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 and back then, the only way that they handled situations like that, because Jesus wasn't the only person that was called the Messiah back then. 
There were other people that rose up that tried to overthrow uh, 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 systems and, and Rome. It was other people that rose up. But every time what they did was they killed the, le- they killed the leader. And after they killed the leader, the whole movement would scatter and it would dissipate. It would be over. So when Saul, and I, I'm telling you, I, I, know, I know he must have saw him because in Acts 6, it says this. In Acts 6, it says, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of free slaves, which Saul was a part of, that was his synagogue, they started to debate, debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. But none of them could stand against the wisdom and spirit with which Stephen spoke. So I believe that when Saul was in the synagogue and saw Stephen speaking with grace, he probably said, okay, I mean, you know, whatever. I know I heard this grace message before um, when Jesus did it, kind of. But then when he saw the power, that triggered him. I believe he got triggered. In, in, in that moment. And he said, like, that's when now, now, now I got to smoke you. Because listen, what happened was when Jesus was walking around, when Jesus was doing his thing, he was doing all these miracles and he was doing all these signs and wonders. And that caused everybody to start looking at the Pharisees saying like, well, y'all said the Sabbath, but that man is holding his mat on the Sabbath. Jesus told him to get up and walk. They saw all of this. And, and, and what happened in the community, they started to actually question the Pharisees authority. So when you question the Pharisees' authority, their only response is to basically do whatever they can do to get it back and hold on to it. So that's why I want to go back into the text. It says, go back to uh, 8.1. It says, and Saul approved of their killing him. And that day, a severe persecution began against the church. Don't miss that correlation. Saul approved of their killing him, period. That day, a severe persecution began against the church because... Saul said, this is how we're going to handle this problem. We're going to smoke them one by one by one. That's what we're going to do. And a severe persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered. Y'all should write that word down if you're taking notes. Scattered throughout the countryside of Judea and Samaria. Now, when I'm looking at this, 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 word, this, this scripture, the word that kept like hanging me up was, was persecution. Because we live in America, and if, if, I'm, if I'm being honest with, with anyone, um, our definition of persecution can be a lot different from what was happening here in the scripture. Um, me and Lauren were talking the other day about the message, and, and she was like, bro, don't forget, like, what happened during COVID. And I was like, well, what you talking about? COVID, nobody remembers COVID. Um, but she was like, yeah, we all was there, right? Um, she said, don't forget what happened. And I was like, what would you mean? She was like, remember the whole worship thing happened? I said, oh, yeah, because it was a whole worship movement started in 2020, late 2020, early 2021, where you had thousands upon thousands of people, right? They were, they were, they were gathering at the height of COVID. Remember, like you could not, you literally could not be within six foot of a person. Because it was this, you know, you were breathing and you might be coughing and you might be carrying it and you might actually kill somebody. That's how dangerous it was, right? But you had this group of people that said like, okay, they are persecuting us because we can't come into the church and sing without a mask on. (laughs) 
They said we are being persecuted. They would literally use that word. We are being persecuted because we cannot come into this space with other people in a closed area in the, in the height of a worldwide pandemic and sing with our mask on, getting spit all over people. They were trying to... <laughs> But they called that persecution. And it's funny, right? It is funny. I know it is. But the crazy thing about it is this. Some of us even today, now not this church because we don't flow like that. This is not, that's not this kind of church. But there are churches that I know. There are churches that I know that will block off these first two rows. They'll put ropes on the first two rows and you can't sit in there unless you're a certain person. And don't let that certain person come to church. Don't let that certain person come to church and you sitting in their seat. Don't let that certain person come to church and you sitting in their seat because what they're going to do, they're going to start flipping tables. They're going to go get the usher. Hey, they got to get up. That's my, that's my seat. That's my seat. But, but that, <laughs> but that's, that's what we view as persecution sometimes here in America, church. That's what we view as persecution. And I didn't want to sanitize the text because, like, when you look at that, we might have a disconnect because we don't really go through what they was going through. So I wanted to unpack that word persecution before I move forward. Um, can you put that slide up for me? I found the translation. It's, it's, it's say, say diagmos for me. Say diagmos. Diagmos, that's the Greek translation for the word persecution. And y'all see it, but I'm going to read it because I know y'all see it. It, it, it means the hunt to bring someone down like an animal trying to suppress or punish their convictions. I'll read that again. The hunt to bring someone down like an animal trying to suppress or punish their convictions. Does that sound like wearing a mask to you? So when, as I started looking at the text, I'm looking at that. I'm looking at the word persecution, and I'm looking at what, what Chad challenged us to do last week. And I, and I had to start thinking about, like, well, okay, in, in my life, right, me being who I am, young black man, 32 years old, beautiful wife and all such, like, me being that, who can I look at that went through persecution that allows me to stand where I stand today? I had to start thinking about it. I'm going through the scriptures. I'm looking at it. And I'm like, well, who, who could it be? And I, and, and I could not get away from Martin Luther King Jr. I couldn't get away from him. I couldn't get away from him. Because as, as a child, as a child, I would read about him having a dream, right? Having a dream that, that all people from all tribes would live in harmony with each other. I would read about him having a, a dream that, that, that little black boys and little black girls would not be, would not be terrorized for the color of the skin, but except they would, they would actually be accepted for their character. He had, a, he had a dream. He had a dream that people that looked like him would be able to have the opportunity to actually live in the freedom and liberty that this country proclaims it was built on. Yeah. That was his dream. And, and so I had to, I, I'm looking at that and I, and I had to think for a second. I said, oh man, you know what's crazy? Even though we have a lot of work to do when it comes to racial reconciliation, when we, we have a lot of work to do with racial equity in this country. But I had to, I had to be honest for a second and look and say like, oh man, 
I'm the reward of his dream. I'm, I'm the reward of Martin's dream. It's not just me solely. It's a whole bunch of us. But we are the reward of his dream because I'm standing here on this stage right now. And I'm looking at white faces and black faces and Middle Eastern faces and Asians and, and, and all types of people sitting in this room right now. I'm looking at it. And, and honestly, I can say whatever I want because I got the mic. I can say whatever I want. And I don't have the fear of going off this stage and somebody is out there waiting to take me down. Listen, I'm, I'm the result of his dream, but just as important, I'm also the reward of his persecution. See, we glamorize and we marvel at all the things he said about us living in harmony and all the beautiful things because I love him just as much as you do. I really do. But we underestimate the amount of persecution that he had to go through to see those dreams fulfilled. And I wanted to, I wanted to uh, uh, read this quick. It's a quick little uh, uh, excerpt from an interview or article that he wrote back in 1960. I really wish I could have found a video because if you never heard him speak, I'm telling you, go look up some YouTube videos. It's something that hits you at your core. It's a little bit different. I ain't got that kind of voice. It's a little too light. But I'm going to try my best to just read it with passion, okay? I'm going to try my best. It says this. Due to my involvement in the struggle for freedom of my people, I have known very few quiet days in the last few years. I have been arrested five times and put in Alabama jails. My home has been bombed twice. A day seldom passes that my family and I are not the recipients of threats of death. I have been the victim of a near-fatal stabbing. So in a real sense, I have been battered by the storms of persecution. In other words, I have been battered by the storms of being hunted down like an animal. I must admit that at times I have felt I could no longer bear such a heavy burden and have been tempted to retreat to a more quiet and serene life. But every time such temptation appeared, something came to strengthen and sustain my determination. I have, I have learned now that the master's burden is light precisely when we take his yoke upon us. So, I know, like, our every day is a little bit different from what Dr. King was talking about. I get it. It's 2023, and we have come a long way as a, as a church, as a, as a, not us, I mean, talking about Big C Church. Um, as a nation, we have come a long way. But I would be remiss if I didn't let y'all in on the reality of where we still are as a people. Here, Carrington Gaines, I, I feel like I love y'all, and y'all feel like y'all love me, and, and this is all good. We have a good time here in this space. I love my church. Um, but here in, in the city of Rockford, Illinois, I would be lying to you if I said, me, that I haven't faced racism here in this city. It might, it, I'm like, I'm not saying, I don't have to worry about someone bombing my home, I, I hope, but... I would be lying to you if I said I didn't, I, I haven't gone through certain things here that made me feel like, wait, now, wait a minute. I need to figure out how I'm about to retaliate because if, if I retaliate the way I feel like I want to retaliate, I might end up in jail because they're going to choose him over me. I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. But maybe you're like, okay, well, uh, Carrington, I, I feel that. I, I feel sorry for you, but that's not my story. But maybe you have persecution like a Job-like persecution in a way. Maybe you lost everything. Maybe you lost every, everything that, yo, your 401k is gone, your retirement is gone, everything is gone. 
You're flat broke. You don't have anything to turn to. Now your family is falling apart because now you didn't have nothing to turn to. So your family is part turning apart, and, and there's nothing that you can do. You have no choice but to just go through this storm. It's, it's persecution in that way, too. We all face those kind of storms. And, and, uh, and it, it, since we're all in this church here today, I want to let y'all know something. Now, it might not look like the Bible days persecution, but it is persecution coming to the Big C Church. I know y'all like, well, what you mean? Listen, when you look at the, the, the political agendas, and I'm not talking about no party. I'm not about to get into that. I'm not talking about a specific party. But when you see political agendas and community agendas that are being formed, that are trying to basically tell the church, hey, you have to do this or you have to do that. When you see, when you see things like that forming in the world, persecution is coming. And there's going to be a day where you're going to have to take a stand and say, hey, do you really believe in this gospel that you talk about? Do you really believe in this gospel that you say that your life is based off of? persecution is coming and that's why it was so it was so um it was so crazy to think about dr king like every day of this man's life when he started after he started the whole civil rights uh movement and everything after he started being involved every day of his life he had to walk out the house and not know if that was going to be the last time he was able to kiss his daughter or hug his wife how god how 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 does a man that has to face that kind of persecution every day of his life, how does that man stop and say, but something, something came to strengthen me? And where is that something? Because I don't know about you, but when my life is going through hell, I'm looking for something to strengthen and sustain me. And I had to, I had to look, I said, well, what, 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 what was that for him? And, and I, was, I was praying, and I'm like, God, what, what is it? And, and, and it was like I heard it. He said, oh, that thing only comes from the inside. Trev just talked about, he just talked about the directions. You only find that strength when you begin to look inward, church. When you begin to look inward, that's when, that's when the Holy Spirit you invite, the, you invite the Holy Spirit to come in and undo all the bitterness and the anger and the hate that, that comes when you face persecution. When, when you allow the Holy Spirit to, to, to purify your heart and your mind and your emotions, when you allow the Holy Spirit to do that and you start pursuing the things that actually build your faith, only then, only then will we begin to obtain the faith-filled hope that allows us to keep going. See, in Romans, three and, uh, in Romans 5, 3, it says this. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit. To fill our hearts with his love. See, what that scripture is basically saying is, when you're going through a storm, when you're going through persecution, you don't have to lean into the negativity. Mariah was telling us a story this morning uh, during our staff meeting before we came into service. She, she was talking about how, how she had a situation going, but she did not lean into the negativity. Instead, she chose to rejoice. 
We have that option because when you begin to rejoice and when you begin to allow the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit needs to do in you, that's when you'll discover that endurance. That's where Martin found it. That's where Dr. King found it. When he began to let the Holy Spirit, hey, fill my heart with your love because honestly, if I go out there, they're not going to want to see what I'm about to come with. They're not going to want to see it. But when the Father's love is in your heart, you have no choice but to love the way he loves. Amen, church? You have no choice but to find that endurance. And that endurance, endurance means this, the power of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving way or giving up. It's in moments like that when you look inward, where you discover what's inside, when you discover what God put in you, that will determine what you do when you go forward. Amen? Regardless of the persecution that may be ahead of you. And it's funny, like when I first started uh, trying to put this message together, I was calling it the necessary evil. Because, I mean, you look at persecution and it's like, well, yeah, man, that thing is crazy. When you talk about what they had to go through, it was, it, was, it, was, it was evil. You'll look at it and be like, man, you shouldn't be killing folks. You shouldn't be doing X, Y, and Z. But if ever you wanted to really see a move of God happen or you wanted to see something change, I honestly believe persecution has to be there first before you see the other side of the mountain. Amen? Amen. And, 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 uh, and, and, and I, feel like, I feel like when Paul was, when Saul, I keep calling Paul, but he, he was Saul at this point. I got to get my mind together. Um, when Saul was going from house to house in, in Acts 8 and verse 3, he was going from house to house. That's what the scripture said. He was going from house to house, killing people, dragging them into the street because of their beliefs. Because of their belief in Jesus Christ, Saul was going from house to house, torturing and killing people and putting them in prison because they believed in Jesus Christ. But what I loved about the early church is this. Even though they were going through that kind of persecution, they didn't allow them being scattered to stop the spread. See, it says it in in, in, in verse 4, it says this. Can you put that up for me? But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. You could actually just keep that up there for the rest of the time because I'm going to keep going back to it. They didn't allow their circumstances to basically cause them to do anything, to, to, to basically shudder and just move back and just stop going because like I said, in that time when any movement would arise, they would cut off the leader. They would kill, they would kill the leader and then everybody would just fall away. They would scatter but there wouldn't be any spread. And that was the difference with the movement of Jesus Christ because as they kept killing people, the people kept on saying, baby, we don't die, we multiply. Huh? Huh? So that's the point I want you to understand. When you're going through persecution, when you're going through storms, when life is not handed you a good, a good, a good hand to play, I need you to understand that you gotta keep going but not just keeping going just to go for going sake you got to keep going and spreading the good news of Jesus Christ with everything in your life you have to continue to spread it because when you keep going when you keep going and you keep spreading the good news of Jesus Christ that's how communities change when you keep going and spreading the news of Jesus Christ that's how, that's how financial ecosystems are changed in, in, in cities and countries in the world. That's, that's what happens when you keep going. 
church. And I got one more point, and then I'm going to let you go because I know we're running behind. Can I have about 10 more minutes? Are y'all right with that? Give me about 10 more minutes, and I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you go. But go back to that scripture. It says, I said, oh, come on, Nate. I said, leave it up there for me, baby. I said, uh, one more, one more point, and I'm going to let you out of here. It says, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. It's the they that got me. Because when it says they preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went, that means they were scattered together. Where my band at? They out here. All right. I like it. I like it. Um, they were scattered together. They were persecuted together because they were doing life what? That was weak. I said they were doing life what? When, when, when you're doing life together, one of, the, one of the things the enemy tries to get you to do before you step into actually doing life together, one of the biggest tricks that he tries to pull, he tries to get you to suffer in silence. He tries to get you to believe that nobody actually cares about what you're going through, especially in a church like this because we, we are so big on community and, and, and being there for each other in and, and the seventh floor and life together. We're so big on these things. The, the, the biggest trick of the enemy is to say, man, they don't really care about you like they say they care about you. His trick is to get you to basically become a, what is it called, a hermit crab or something like that where they get in their shell and they just like back up from everything because they, they, don't, they, don't, they, don't, they, they, don't, they don't think about me. They don't care about my problems. They don't care about me. So I'm not going to do life together. But that's so contradictory to what we see in the scriptures. In the scripture, over and over and over again, we see God using groups of people that were doing life to change systems, to, to be deliverers, to, to change nations, to, to bring freedom. He was using people that were doing life together. And if you don't believe me, look at Moses for a second. Moses, the Red Sea, the, the quail, the manna, the, the water from the rock, that Moses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that did all these great things. But at the beginning, when God first called him, when God first called Moses uh, and, and he said, hey, Moses, I need you to do me a favor. Go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses said, wait, 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 what you mean? What you mean, Lord? What, 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 you, what you mean? He said, I, 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 I can't go and tell them people. Not. I can barely talk. But since Moses had been doing life, y'all going to have to get with me now. Since Moses was doing life, what happened was Aaron, his brother, they were already doing life together. And when, when Moses said, I can't speak, you ha he had his brother Aaron step in and say, hey, don't worry about it, Moses. I got you. Hey, Pharaoh, let them people go. Because listen, when you're doing life together with good people, when you're doing life together with good people, they'll see your deficiency. And they'll begin to answer the question before you even ask for help. When you're doing life together with good people, though, and see, I can see a, a few y'all still don't really believe me, but you can look at you can look at Paul and Silas, huh? Look at Paul and Silas. One time, uh, they were they were they were in the the city of they were in Samaria, they were in Samaria, and they were going and they were doing life, and they were doing ministry, and they were praying 
they were doing all these things and and what they did one time uh, uh, Paul Paul saw this woman that was getting on his nerves and he cast the demon out of her that was attacking him he cast the demon out and the city got mad because the city was actually profiting off of her bondage they were profiting off of her being bound by a demon and they got mad when Saul cast out the demon so what they did to Paul and Silas they grabbed them they grabbed them and they put them in the middle of the city and they stripped them and then they began to beat them with rods because they were doing life so they they, they took them into the middle of the city and they began to beat them and beat them and then they didn't just beat them but they threw them in prison oh my god they threw them in prison and they, they, they threw them in the innermost part of the prison at that they, they said, they said, okay, we're going to leave them there since y'all want to be so bold and so big and so bad. We're going to leave y'all in this prison, and now y'all can go ahead and do life. But the beautiful thing about Paul and Silas, they said, hey, man, we've been through worse things. We've been through all types of persecution. We ain't going to let this little thing stop us, are we? We ain't going to let this little thing stop us. So what they started doing when they were in the middle of the prison doing life, they began, they began to pray. They began to sing. They began to worship together. They began to pray. They began to worship. They began to do it together. And what happened when they began to pray and worship? The, the, the foundations of the prison. Hey, the foundations of the prison began to shake. And when the foundations of the prison began to shake, everybody that was connected to them. But, oh, let me get it. I got to say it like I feel it. When they began to pray, when they began to worship, the foundation shook. And when the foundation shook, their chains fell off. When their chains fell off, it didn't just fall off of them, but it fell off of everyone that was connected to them. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, when you're doing life together and you experience freedom, I got to experience freedom because you're And they don't believe me. They don't, they don't hear me yet, Doc. They don't hear me. See, 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 see. See, come here, Shadrach. Come here, Meshach. Come here, Abednego. It was three Hebrew boys. It was three Hebrew boys that said, okay, we're in the Babylonian system. Let me get it real quick. I got to get him. I got to get it real quick. Three Hebrew boys. Three Hebrew boys that were in a Babylonian system. <laughs> and when, when, the, when the narcissistic king, Nebuchadnezzar, built a statue of himself from, for everybody to worship, those three Hebrew boys said, wait a minute, wait a minute. For God I live, and for God I die. For God I live, and for God I die. They said, I'm not bowing my knee to nothing. I'm not bowing my knee to no statue. I serve the living God. So Nebuchadnezzar heard it, right? Nebuchadnezzar heard and said, he said, if y'all don't want to, y'all don't want, y'all want to be big, y'all want to take a stand together, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to grab some of my strongest men, and I'm going to bind you together. I'm going to bind you together, and I'm going to throw you in this fire together. <laughs> And this is the part that got me. This is the part that got me. He threw them in the fire together. It was one of them. It was three, right? I said three. Did I say four? I said three Hebrew boys. He threw in the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar said, he said, oh, well, what's happening? Uh, I'm looking in there and I see, I see, I, 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 I see, I see four men. I don't, I don't smell no smoke. Uh, uh, I don't smell nobody cooking. Uh, 
nobody crying for help. I'm, I'm confused as to what's going on. Because listen, when two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, he is in the midst. When you're going through trials, when you're going through persecution, you got to understand that you're not by yourself, but the King of glory. friends. I don't need no people that only want to be with me when everything is going good. But I need some people when all hell is breaking loose. When I done lost my job. When my car's been repossessed. When I don't know where to turn to. I need somebody that says I'm going to do life with you, Carrington. together when we go through trials and we go through tribulations regardless of it when you agree to do life just be one of the two or three huh just be one of the two or three and you will see your salvation you will see your deliverance you will see him bring you out when you're doing life together. See, oh man. I can remember how when we moved up here, it was probably within the first maybe five, six months, the beginning of 2021. uh, I remember me and Ev had, uh, we had gone through like three deaths three deaths literally in probably about a what a 40 day span her grandmother had passed my cousin had committed suicide and the pastor that I had done so much work with in Atlanta he abruptly just passed out of nowhere it shook us it shook us to the point I was out of town and I had not not called back and I found out later that my wife literally had a panic attack because she was so she was so over overcome with emotion negative emotion in that way because she's like I don't understand what's happening why is everybody dying are you about to die babe I don't know what to do she was so overcome we were such we were such in a place of like disbelief like how can hit after hit after hit after hit keep coming but I'm gonna tell you something about Forest City Church when we were going through that you had Lauren, you had Trev, you had Parks, you had Card, you had you had all of these people that worked here that said, hey, you going through it? Hey, bro, we got you, man. Don't worry about it. We got you. Literally, listen, listen. We're doing Christmas services. We're doing Christmas services. The entire the team had a whole meeting with, without me even knowing about it, saying like, hey, his cousin just, we just he just died. What are we going to do? And they literally, oh, they just, hey, they, they, they came to me and said, hey, it's going to be all right. You're going to be good. But they covered me. They said, bro, you don't even have to finish this. Leave Christmas. We don't even care nothing about this. We care about you. That's, that's life together. That's life together. So much to the point where my cousin's, his, his funeral was in, was in Denver. And, and we were all here. And, and, and Parks was like, hey, man, I'm not, I'm not going to let y'all go out there by yourselves. Our lead pastor, Eric Parks, 
Like I said, this is only about five, six months, so it's not like we had some deep, 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 deep relationship. But he made sure at my cousin's funeral, I saw him sitting right there. That's what we're committing to as a church. It all started on the seventh floor. I know, I get it. I love the seventh floor. I still live there. I like your boy. Um, but now it's flowed from there, and now we're all in this space, and we have to, as a church, commit to doing life together. No more surface-level relationship. And I'm not saying that you're going to be friends with everybody in this room. You're not going to have deep, deep connections with everybody. So understand that right now, okay? You're not about to have deep, deep connections with everybody. But, but if you just choose to be intentional about meeting the people that God wants you to run with, I'm telling you, something special could happen. Listen, literally, two weeks ago, and I'm not going, I'm not going to point to them, but they over here. Me and, me and my wife, uh, me and my wife, we were literally just in the hallway after service talking to a, 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 a now a buddy of mine. But at that point, we, ain't, we hadn't even met in person for real, for real yet. We sitting there, we talking in the hallway, literally out in there donuts. And we just talking and we just talking. And then I don't remember who said it, but somebody was like, hey, y'all want to just go get something to eat? Me and my wife, we looked at each other and said, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. And then we just went out to eat after service. And we sat in that restaurant for about three hours, <laughs> just talking and doing life together. Just talking and doing life together. And now... We're friends. And now he has my number. I have his number. He's a Cowboys fan, so all y'all just pray for him. Pray for him. We're still praying for his deliverance. But but it's all good, though, because now we're friends, and we can jockey about that, and we can do life together. So that's what I want to challenge you with today. I know we're a little bit over. But when you go out in these halls today, this is the challenge I want. I mean, uh, Chad gave y'all one last week. I'm going to give y'all this one this week. Go talk to somebody you don't know. And don't just say hi. Actually try to stand there and talk to them like, hey, what? So I, I've seen you a couple times at the church. What's your story? Maybe we can, maybe next Sunday we can come in. We can come in early and sit down and have donuts or something like that. I'll bring some coffee. But if you don't like the coffee here or something, I don't know. But do your thing. However you feel, do your thing. But, but make sure you go and talk to somebody. You don't know. That's my challenge to you, okay, church? Because you've been so good. I really wish we knew that song because I would sing it, but I'm not going to sing it because we don't know it. Let me pray for us, and I'm going to let y'all go, okay? Can everybody stand up? Father God, thank you for this reminder to keep going, to persevere when persecution comes. Thank you for reminding us that we do not have to do this thing called life alone, but we can do this thing together. We thank you for your leading and your guidance. We thank you for everything that you're going to do this week and this day. Father God, we love you, we honor you, and we praise you. Keep us until we meet again. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen.